AJ Tracy live and direct. Is that even the words? Coming at you live and direct. It's Viv the Div. Or you might just know me as Viv or Viv Yao. My surname's Yao. Did anyone know that? Have I ever said that before? Hi, my name's Viv and I am the host of But Where Are You From? And in this series, we talk about life as a British-born Chinese person. So from my family life to work, dating, relationships, food, racism and general culture. Hopefully this is an upbeat and relatable podcast for those who are British-born. Anything, anything. You don't even have to be British-born. You can be from anywhere. I just hope this is relatable to anyone across the world. I'm feeling a bit delirious today because it's so hot. It is Wednesday, the... what's the date? 24th of June. And it's so warm in the UK. And I I had a nap after work, I have to say, and it was glorious. Then I went for a run because I felt they're guilty about napping and uh, messing up my sleeping schedule. And then the run turned into a walk run where I was walking, then running a little bit, then walking, then running a little bit. Um, and then I just had some Chinese soup and now I'm here. We've had a few pre-planned episodes for a while. So this is the first off the cuff one with just me and you. <laughs> um, so how are you guys? Are you doing okay? Got some updates for you, just some thoughts before we get into the topic of the day. So I did say in one of the episodes that I was going to read out some comments from you guys because I haven't done that in a while and I want to do that because I think it's important. So I had a message from a woman who said, Hey Viv, just stumbled onto your podcast via Yellow Bee Pod, which is another amazing British East Asian podcast. So please check that out. Really great to see more British Chinese representation on social platforms. Loving the British Asian representation going on, visibility and topics. I'm British born Malaysian Chinese. Hardly any visibility of people who looked like me in the media growing up. You cover really pertinent and relatable topics. I currently work as a doctor and also millennial. Really interesting to hear about the dating stories too. Keep up the good work and I'm sure we have all have common stories to share and bring the community together. Oh, such a sweet message. The fact that she's a doctor and she's taken the time to message during this time. Mental. Thank you so much for that message, by the way. And also hats off to anyone who is still working as a key worker in the NHS, wherever you might be, where you're exposed to COVID, like amazing work that you guys are doing. I honestly can't applaud you any further. It's just incredible what you're doing. So thank you very much. And then I had another message which says, Hi, I just wanted to let you know that you're really interesting. Oh my God, you think I'm interesting? And I relate a lot to what you went through as a BBC. I was looking around on Spotify podcast for something that could be like a background noise whilst I complete a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. Oh my gosh. Turned out that I finished listening to all your podcasts in one day. Bloody hell, I feel sorry for you. Listening to me in one day, that is exhausting. And it was more like someone expressing the things I felt and went through. I'm very glad that you created this podcast and I look forward to the next podcast. That was honestly, made my day hearing that. Like, I can't believe that she actually um, listened to the whole, all the episodes, all 13 episodes or however many, 15 episodes in one day. Really means a lot. So thank you so much for your message. So... 
Has anyone seen the new trailer for this animated film called Over the Moon? It's this new Asian Netflix film and it looks amazing. And it's basically based around this girl named Feifei who builds and flies a rocket ship to meet the moon goddess Chang'e. I had to Google Translate that earlier. Chang'e. Let's just see whether I said it right. Play. Chang'e. Oh, I said it wrong for fuck's sake. Chang'e. Which basically retells the classic Chinese myth of the woman on the moon. Do you guys remember your parents telling you about this? Because I vaguely remember something about some woman on the moon. And I used to look up at the moon being like, hmm, can I see her? Um, So I can't wait for that to come out. I think it's coming out in autumn time. And it looks really cute and it has things like bobo tea in it. She eats cup noodles and it's very much like, you know, harking to our Asian-ness. But um, it's been directed by a white guys. So I'm like, why? Why is it not directed by an Asian guy? Anyway, also I was wondering and a question to you guys. So please do slide into my DMs. I'm at Fifth the Div. Do I start a Facebook group with everyone in this who listens to this podcast? Because... I don't know. I'm in like two minds about it because I know some podcasts have their own Instagram page, but knowing me, I just, I would be really good for the first couple of weeks at posting stuff and then I'll just let it fall by the wayside. I mean, Viv the Div is easy because it's my own personal account and that's even a bit of a chore sometimes. But I think, you know, if it was like a nice closed Facebook group, I think it might be quite nice. You guys would get on. Uh, the only prerequisites are that you are a nice person, you're woke, and you support Black Lives Matter. And that's my three, you know, entry points to the Facebook group. But I just wondered whether it's worth starting it and what would the use be? Would it be a community for us to just chat? Would it just be for British-born Chinese people? Can it be for anyone? Like, obviously, I wouldn't, like, kick people out if they're not uh, Chinese in any way. But I just wondered what you guys thought. So I'd love to know what you think because I hope the answer is no. I really hope you just say no if it's fine because I just, even my own work, Instagram, luckily I have an amazing person that I work with called Laura. Shout out Laura. I know she listens sometimes and she thinks of really good ideas to post on our social. Otherwise it just wouldn't get updated. I'm so sporadic with it. But let me know what you think. I would say that I'm done with Asian Facebook groups because I've seen so much anti-racism on there. Sorry, not anti-racism. Anti-blackness. I've seen so much racism on there and anti-blackness. Um, and I've been trying to fight the good fight. I've been trying to comment back on people and explain certain things. And ultimately, it was impacting my mental health to the point where I couldn't sleep because I was just so angry about it. You know, I feel quite ashamed that I see so much racism towards the black community in our own Chinese community. And I don't understand because, you know, we obviously as Chinese people feel so much empathy when it comes to racism towards our own, but somehow that can't be extended to black people. The mind boggles, honestly. And I remember getting into last week an argument with a guy who posted some obscene photo relating to a black guy. And I commented back saying like, why is this funny? Because it's not blah, blah, blah. And then I was just told to fuck off. (laughs) The guy just put, oh, fuck off. And he's in, he's in a separate group, which is like a separate Asian group about like basically calling people snowflakes. It's basically anyone who speaks up for any anti-racism or anything to do with social topics 
you're called a snowflake nowadays, aren't you? And I hate that term. If you use that term, please just consider why you do, because it's not a nice term, in my opinion. I think it just denies anyone of being able to express themselves in any way. So stop calling people snowflakes. And also, with regards to Black Lives Matter, we actually had, well, I actually had, and my sister had a really productive conversation with my mum about the topic. And I won't go into it, but it was uncomfortable. It was certainly uncomfortable, but it was definitely needed. And we made so much more progress than we had done in years of avoiding the topic. And, you know, that's that's only a good thing. I mean, there's probably a lot of work to do, but I certainly feel that the death of George Floyd has pushed us into corners where we had to have these conversations. It's unavoidable. It was in the Chinese media. My mum knew about it. I don't know where she even saw it, to be honest. And it was the first time we've had that conversation in a very constructive way. And, you know, it, it was dead awkward. And I feel like I kind of ruined the family lunch, to be fair. You know, we were there eating our um, Lorbacco <laughs> turnip cakes and then um, this topic came up, but that's what we got to do. It's something that I said I was going to do and I didn't want to be a hypocrite first of all, but also it was just weighing heavy on my mind. So I'm really glad that we just actually had that conversation and I felt so much better for it. And my mum's been great, you know, she's been making so much food again. She's, you know, I've told, I've talked about my mum before and how she wasn't really that into cooking really, but lockdown has massively improved her cooking. She's been making sausage bows, lor mei gay, which is like rice steamed with like chicken and uh, lapchung, like sausage and um, like prawns and stuff and duck egg yolk in this like lotus leaf thing. I actually don't know whether I've described that right at all, but it was delicious. And then she's making like char siu so, which is like these pastries with char siu pork in them. Um, so there is no chance of me um, keeping slim during lockdown. But having said that, I've been socialising a bit more now. I've been going to see friends every so often in their gardens. I've been going into the office a couple of times a week and things are starting to feel a bit more normal now. But I think it's going to take a while. I don't know about you guys, whether you're going to be going straight back into the shops from the 4th of July and all the restaurants and everything like that. I don't know whether I will on the first day. I feel like it's going to be heaving for the first few weeks and people are going to be like getting pissed up, especially if the weather's nice. And I just don't know whether, I don't know. Yeah, I feel quite a bit of anxiety thinking about that. So I'm just going to see how I feel. I think I'll probably continue to see friends in their gardens or in their houses and stuff. And yeah, I mean, in terms of me personally, I'm good. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Oh my God talking to myself and asking myself how I am. Uh, I've been loving eating sumais by themselves. We've been really busy with work. We've had a bit of a hiccup at work recently. Well, a, a pretty big hiccup and we're trying to sort that out. But, you know, it's work's work, isn't it? Everyone's got their own stresses in life. I've been trying to run, like I said, not doing as much exercise as I was though. I think I really hit a peak when it came to my exercise and now I've definitely dipped. I spent a lot of time outdoors in the beginning of lockdown and I've got these awful tan lines still. And even though I've been in the sun since, they just won't go. Like, I've just, it's like a proper obvious, like, scoop line. It's not attractive whatsoever. And I just don't know what to do about it because I can't stay out in the sun for very long because I am just sensitive to everything, including the sun. So, we're going to do a How Asian Are You segment. I've not done this for the past couple of weeks. 
Um, and I know that some of you are really enjoying this. My friend Louise messaged saying that I've been doing the quiz and I've been really enjoying it. And I asked her, so what did you get in the quiz then? Because she's white. <laughs> so I was quite interested to know whether she ticked any of the Asian boxes at all. So let's go into it. How Asian Okay, first question. Have you ever dated an Asian person? You don't need to be Asian to for this to really apply to, really. So and it doesn't really qualify how Asian you are. I can see the, the, the issues with this question that I've written down. Nevertheless, I have. So I get a point. My quiz, I do what I want. One. Just, did you hear that little type then? I just put a point next to my name. Do you feel like your Chinese and English are both subpar due to being bilingual? So how many of you actually have on your CV that you can speak Chinese? And how true is that? Because I know I certainly have done that before and I've never been called upon it because I work in white companies. (laughs) And if I ever came to the stage where I started working in a Chinese company, I'd be fucked. I'd be so fucked. I'd just be like, oh. I don't understand. I'm so sorry. Please speak in English. But yeah, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't even class myself as bilingual. I can, I can speak Chinese. Yes. I can tell you what I want for dinner, what I've had for dinner and how my day's been. But business Chinese, it's a whole other level, isn't it? Does anyone know, does anyone have a GCSE in Chinese, by the way? I really want to get mine. I think I've talked about this before and someone messaged about it. But if you do, how was it? Was it good? Do you feel like it actually helped at all? Or do you feel like it's best just to immerse yourself into Chinese culture, like go to Hong Kong or speak with your family more in Chinese? Third question. Do you know what aya means? I mean, that's if you're Chinese and you don't know what that means, actually, I won't shame you, but you should know what that means. Aya. For my white friends, it's basically like a expletive. Is that what it's called? Where like if you say if you banged your knee on something or like, you know, it's basically like an exclamative, like, oh my God, like that kind of thing. <laughs> I actually don't know how to explain it because you know, when it's so like ingrained in you, you don't actually know how to explain something that you've just grown up hearing. Like if your parents are disappointed in you or if you walk in with like muddy shoes, your parents will be like, hey, yeah, Tola. <laughs> Number one, two, three, four, four. If you were on death row, would you choose some form of Asian food, whether that be noodles, um, uh, three roast pork, uh, th- sorry, three roast meat, not three roast pork. Um, would you choose rice? Would you choose sushi, dumplings? I'd choose dumplings for sure. Ramen, ramen and dumplings, spicy, like chili, Sichuan hot pot. Oh my God. I'd, I'd literally get everything, every type of Asian food I would get. Would you? Please answer yes or no, and you get a point if you chose yes. Last question. Has anyone ever said ni hao to you? And you're like, bitch, I don't speak Mandarin, I'm Cantonese. Or maybe you might be Mandarin. Right, so tot up those points. One, I get one, two, three, four, five. I mean, yeah, I get five out of five because, again, um, I made up these questions. So obviously, they're probably a bit more relevant to me. So we're going to go into today's topic and we're going to talk about the word feminism. 
feminism as an East Asian person. Because this is a big topic and I don't even know why I've tried to take this on because honestly, where do we start? Let's start with what I googled because I googled the definition of the word feminism. For those who don't know, the advocacy of women's rights on the ground of the equality of the sexes. So essentially it just means you just want equal things. You just want equal equality when it comes to men and women in the workplace, how you're treated, how men perceive you, how women perceive you. That's all it means. Um, But I think when we delve into it, it can mean very different things for different people. And there's usually a spectrum of feminism. So I can't find much literature when it comes to feminism as an East Asian. Uh, perhaps there is a, you know, there's some kind of market for it there. And someone who's a budding writer, there could be a book deal in there. I've seen a lot of feminism written by white women, which is incredible. But I think, I do think it only paints a portion of the picture when it comes to how we identify as East Asians and being feminists, if you do identify with being a feminist. And for me, it just means being treated equally. I mean, that's pretty much the definition, isn't it? I just want to be treated equally. And when I think when people hear the term or when I say I'm a feminist, they're like, oh my God, you're so radical. Like what, you identify being feminist? Oh, Viv's banging on about feminism. All I say back, I just clap back (laughs) and I say, what, you don't believe in equality for women? And they're just like, "Uh, eh, well, no, I didn't say that, but you know, but that's literally all I want. That's literally all it means to me. I just want equality for women. I want I want us to be treated the same, don't you? You misogynistic bastard. <laughs> so when it comes to let's let's talk about dating, for example. So I have said to guys to test the waters almost before. Oh, I want someone who I want a guy who identifies as a feminist. And either they're like, what? What do you mean? Do you just mean being kind to people? I'm like, no, I mean, I want you to identify as a feminist or at least have the fundamental understandings of what it means to be a feminist and be able to have those conversations. I think for me, that's quite important to just understand the terminology or either the guy get it and they're like, yeah, like that's it's just normal it's just part of how they grew up and they understand it it's not met with any defensiveness it's not met with like huh you know it's become increasingly important i would say in the past couple of years definitely because i've been treated badly in the past and that's obviously not very feminist and it's it's a lot of things it's a lot of things a lot of issues with that it certainly made me think about what it means to be a woman, especially a woman in a relationship and how I want my partner to perceive the world. I think that's become increasingly important based off my own experiences. And when it comes to things like my sexuality, so as in like, you know, your body count, for example, I really dislike it when guys shame your body count or or even ask for that matter. And it's not even guys, it's women too who do that. Because why does it matter for women but not for men? Why is there perception that, what's the Christina Aguilera song where it's like, oh, da-da-da-da-da, but you're named a whore. Oh, what's the song now? Where basically she says like, you can sleep with loads of women. <laughs> And um, you're like, cool, you're a player, whereas like a woman sleeps with men and suddenly they're a slag. You know, I don't like that kind of slut shaming behavior. Don't do that. 
girls and guys. It's not cool, man. Um, yeah, so I've seen that happen where women exert that kind of shaming behaviour and no, I'm not, I'm not down for that. I think I started calling that out recently where I'm just like, why, why do you think that's cool to do that? It's not. And then when it comes to business, I think this is when I really started to think about it because I know from my own experience of working initially with a co-founder who was probably quite misogynistic, would treat me like his PA, would ask me when things are booked into the diary and I'd be like, fucking check it yourself, like I'm not your PA. It's certainly something that I'm like, why do you treat me this way, but you don't get the same back? Why do I do all this kind of like the admin work, you know, the typical work that's assigned to women? Why do um, why do you think that's okay? Why do I think it's okay? Why have I thought that's okay in the past too? Why have I gone along with that and thought to myself, oh, I'll take on this role? Mainly, obviously, it's because I can do it better, but that's not the point. Um, so when I started my own business and eventually the co-founder was kicked out after a year of us working together, I started to really think about casual sexism and just certain comments that I've heard before. And I think I've talked about this, but things like, you look a bit too young to start your own company. Well, thank you. I take that as a compliment. I think that's down to my Asian genes. But also that's fucking sexist, so stop it. Or when I've been at an agency event. So I went to a networking event last year and the event was geared towards people who are agency owners, so people like me. And at the end of it, we had, there was two like, there was two sales consultants guys or two guys who worked in sales of some sort came up to me and my guy friend and we were stood next to each other. The guy, sales consultant, went up to my friend and he started addressing the both of us, but he was saying to my friend, so what do you guys do then? So my friend, who was like, he's really woke. He was like, oh, I own a design agency. We do this, this, this. And he was looking, the guy was like, kind of like, you know, you can just tell in his body language that like he assumed that I worked for him. Like, what do you guys do then? But he didn't ask me, what do I do separately? And then my friend clocked on and he was like, oh, Viv doesn't work for him, by the way. She owns her own agency. And then all of a sudden he was interested then. And I was just like, F you, like that was so blatantly obvious that you thought that I worked for him. And I didn't like that at all. I also noticed once at another agency event where it was four agency owners, I was looking at the speaker list. There was 10 speakers on the list, all of them white men. I'm not even exaggerating. That is no word of a lie. I googled every single guy who was on the list just to see, just to double check and be like, surely, okay, at least if there are all men, they must have some diversity in there of some sort, at least a foreign sounding surname or something. No. So I emailed the event organizer and I was like, excuse me, um, why are there all men in this? This is a bit of a white manual going on here. And then uh, I just got an, an email back from the event organizer who was a woman who said, please be rest assured there will be women in this event. <laughs> and I was like, cool. I turned up at the event with my back up, really, thinking like, I'm not looking forward to this at all. And lo and behold, there was one female speaker who was the only one who didn't have any slides prepared. And she mentioned in a speech that she didn't have time to do it because she was dragged in quite last minute. I was thinking, oh my God, is this not so obvious that... The only reason why you've been dragged in is because you're trying to fulfill that woman quota. 
oh, it was just it was just awful. And to be fair, there was a couple of panels where there was two women on there. So I think there was three in total out of so what's that? Ten plus three, thirteen, thirteen people. Three of them were women. Nah, it's not okay. And then there was one person of color. There's one person of color. It's not okay, hon. Like, the guy who organised this event was obviously a white man. He came up to everyone going, what did you think of the event? And I was like, oh my God, please ask me. Like, please come to me and ask me what I think. And, like, just as I was about to get in there, someone interjected with something else. And I just kind of thought, you know what? Actually, I'll let you have your shine. I'll follow up. If there's a questionnaire, I will 100% follow up. But there wasn't. Just seeing things like this in the industry that I work in, it's so rife. It's influencer marketing as a whole. I mean... Every industry, every industry. Let's not just um, silo it to influence marketing. But when I think about my own industry, there's been a big uprise in people talking about how it's so dominated by white people. Uh, there's been this Instagram account called Influencer Pay Gap, which was started by a black-owned talent management agency. So they represent influencers. So people basically, what they do on this account, sorry, is they submit their brand deal. So influencers will submit their, their race, how much they get paid in terms of the highest brand deal working with a brand and their lowest and their experience with it. Some are great, some are awful. And then we can kind of see a trend when it comes to black creators in terms of how they're paid so unfairly compared to their white counterparts. So I'm like, yeah, I'm all for this. Even as an influencer agency owner, we might be pulled up on that. But for me, I'm like, yeah, this is what needs to happen. It's quite radical. Um, and there's certainly lots of things wrong with it in the sense that it doesn't take into account lots of factors. So we base obviously paying influencers, not just off their followers, engagement, the sector that they're in, but off loads of things that you can't even like, you know, it's, it's very nuanced in terms of how they deliver brand deals, the previous work, the quality of their content and that kind of stuff. So on LinkedIn, over on LinkedIn, which is probably the most racist platform that I've seen so far when it comes to racism, they don't like to talk about race on there. If you post anything to do with race, you'll get one or two likes from people. But when you post anything to do with new wins, all of a sudden everyone's round to clap and like cheer for you is crazy. Someone was like, this page is so backwards, so unprofessional, you know, it it just gives us a bad name in terms of the influence marketing industry. It's making us look really cowboyish and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, but what is the goal of this? The goal is to highlight the disparity in terms of how black creators are paid. And it sounds like you're all just jealous because you hadn't thought of it first because you wouldn't think of it first because you're white. And I'm all for it. I hadn't thought of it to be fair at all to highlight that. But I think you know what, what is the goal here? The goal is to try to have an equal level playing field for black creators compared to their white counterparts. The goal isn't to improve influence marketing. No one gives a shit about that right now. And you're so misaligned and misdirected in terms of what your actual what your actual goal is in this that it just screams white privilege. It screams white privilege. And I've lost my train of thought now. So yeah, so essentially there's lots of issues, you know, feminism goes into intersectionality. Oh, that actually brings me on nicely to my next point. Intersectionality. So the fact that obviously I'm Chinese too, I feel like that obviously complicates matters. And I think it's important to acknowledge that our feminism in terms of being East Asians it's quite different to white feminism and it can't be lumped into black and South Asian and Latino feminism either. It's very different. And I've had to ask myself the question quite a few times, am I being judged off my ethnicity or my gender or both? 
It's so hard to tell. I don't know. And then when I think of Asian women, I actually think that whilst they might not label themselves feminist, they are actually pretty damn feminist. My mum was equal partners with my dad in their business together, in their takeaway business. She was always working whilst raising us. Like she did all the books. Um, she, she speaks her mind. She's never been one to, you know, be like a wallflower. So I do think that a lot of East Asian women are mums. Whilst they might not say they're feminists, they probably are inadvertently. You know, they work very hard. They speak their mind. They're not afraid to do that. I don't know whether this is the case, though, for everyone. I think this is just my own experience. I think it's quite interesting that I know for a lot of East Asian people, we bear the burden of our Asian parents. And I am very lucky that I don't really fall into this wholeheartedly like I'm not really like pressured by my parents to do anything but in terms of kind of Asian societal pressures of being married young whilst obtaining a really good job and getting a good career whilst also learning how to cook and be slim but also eat because you can't starve yourself and know how to speak Chinese well all these things just a few of these things that we have to do I understand can be quite tiring and and so where do we as British born Chinese people fit into this? You know, like I obviously I don't tick the being married young box. I mean, I'm only 29, but there's no sign of that happening yet because lockdown has made me incredibly single. Uh, I definitely like, yeah, my job is good. It, obviously, I own my own business. I'm quite proud of that. So and I think my parents are proud of that, too. So me and my sisters, we've all done OK in our careers. So we do tick that box. I mean, I can't tick the learn how to cook box. I can cook certain things. Like the other day I made king prawn in tomato sauce, like a Chinese style one. And it was really good, actually. I just put a bit of tomato ketchup in, a bit of um, Chinese vinegar, a bit of sugar, a bit of soy sauce. You know, if you just put those ingredients together, it kind of works out. It just works out, doesn't it? But really, I don't really have a repertoire when it comes to cooking. And I couldn't be one of those people that has loads of people around and, you know, makes a massive feast. You know, like how our parents are really good at cooking loads of different types of dishes. Like you've got your veg, your fish, your tofu, your your meat, your, to- your tofu. I've said that already, haven't I? <laughs> um, but just lots of different types of dishes. I can't do that. I can make one pot things at best. I'm, I'm really good one pot cook or oven cook. I'm an amazing oven cook. Bit of fish bit of vegetables and potatoes, bang that in the oven. I'm so good at that. (laughs) Be slim. I mean, we've talked about this before, but I kind of fit in between brackets of, you know, in terms of Western culture, my size is petite. But then if I go to Hong Kong, I'm pretty chubby, you know. Uh, I definitely know how to eat. Like that's never been an issue for me. (laughs) And then know how to speak Chinese well. Like I said before, could be better. Don't know how to speak any Mandarin. Um, I know like my name is and that's it. And I am from England and that's it. So me and my friends have been trying to speak in Cantonese to each other, or my British born Chinese friends. And I've noticed on our WhatsApp group, since we started this challenge, so we set ourselves a challenge and like we, we even wrote like terms and conditions. But suspiciously, we started two days ago. The group has been very quiet. <laughs> I've been like messaging it once in a while, but it's definitely depleted since we started this challenge. (laughs) But the best advice I've heard from my friend Wing is when someone says something which is 
sexist, racist, whatever, just things that are just nasty. Just just ask them. I don't understand what you mean by that. And just wait for their response. Because if you have to explain a sexist or racist joke, you don't end up looking good. You don't come out of it being like, yeah, came out of that sexist remark looking amazing. So I don't know the answer to this feminist thing, but let's open up the discussion. What does feminism mean to you? What resources do you turn to to learn about feminism? I have just started listening to Woman's Hour on the BBC and it's amazing. It's Jane Garvey and Jenny Murray and it's on every single day and they bring in topical issues surrounding women. So I've been listening to lots about the BAME communities in terms of the NHS and COVID and how they are interlinked. They talk about black women and how recently, obviously with Black Lives Matter, it's just been a very, very interesting time. Like Rennie Edelodge's book was, she topped the non-fiction charts as being the first black woman to get to the charts. And it's like, what? That's just happened now. I can't believe that. That's just happened now. And it's because of someone who's died, which has sparked this you know, the surge in people trying to find out about racism, which is a good thing, but also I can imagine it being very bittersweet. So as always, opening up the discussion for people to slide into my DMs. I'd love to know what you think in terms of feminism. It's certainly something that I don't have any type of authority on. I just know that I want us to be treated equally and that's it. And I guess that's where we all need to start really, isn't it? So take care. See you all soon. Please let me know if you want a Facebook group as well. And then I can think about setting that up. Bye.